Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Changing the Game with Intelligent Technologies, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they'll discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Yes, indeed. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, you're in the right place. We always say it. We always mean it because this is where the best run. So there. Let's see what the buzz on the street is today. I have an interesting quote from a gentleman named George Westerman, spelled exactly the way it sounds, principal research scientist with the MIT Sloan Initiative on the Digital Economy. And here's the quote. When digital transformation is done right, it's like a caterpillar turning into a butterfly. But when done wrong, all you have is a really fast caterpillar. I like that. There's, it's so visual and so interesting. And of course, we're talking about digital transformation. Yes. So let me give you a little more background before I introduce my three esteemed panelists. Businesses are facing serious challenges today, managing disruption. Where is this all coming from? Come on, you know, it's technology. It is just making exponential leaps today. It's hard to keep up with it. It's exciting. It's innovative and it's challenging businesses. You got to be there. So despite attempts at innovation to achieve what we call digital transformation, many companies are just reacting to changes. That's not where you want to be. You want to be leading change in your industry. You want to be out there in front, grasping and transforming and putting innovation to work for you to keep being a leader. I know everybody can't be a leader, but you want to be at the head of the pack. So our panel today is going to talk about our topic on the series, Intelligent Technologies. How can intelligent technologies, and we'll define those during the show, how can they help your strategic decision makers build Think about this. Think of a skeleton and think of a digital backbone. It is the core. It is going to support your intelligent enterprise. Yes, there's risk out there, but with the correct type of digital backbone, you can seize the upside of risk, deal with those challenges, and emerge to thrive and be competitive for the long haul. It sounds wonderful. And we have three panelists who are experts on this topic, going to help us figure this all out. Let me tell you quickly who they are, and then we'll get started with their opening quotes. First up in a minute, we're welcoming back Ben Zimmerman. He's a principal in the advisory services practice at EY, Ernst & Young LLP. He's also the global agile business risk leader at EY. That's a long title, Ben. I'd like to see that business card. Welcome back. Joining us is one of his colleagues at EY, Michael Ruiz, newcomer to Game Changers. He's a principal also in the advisory services practice at EY. And coming back, it's been way too long. Justin Somany at SAP. He heads the global security team, chief security officer. We have so much to talk about. And I think Justin and I are going to cook up a series on cybersecurity for 2019. I'm excited about that. So welcome to our panelists. And now let's start the party with Ben Zimmerman. Ben has sent us a quote from Jimmy Dean. Jimmy Dean, 1928 to 2010. Hard to believe he's been gone that long, Ben. American country music singer, TV host, actor, businessman, and you may know him 
as the guy with the Jimmy Dean sausages. Uh-huh. He was most famous for his crossover hit Big Bad John, and he had the Jimmy Dean TV show on TV. He also had a supporting role in the movie, the James Bond movie, Diamonds Are Forever. And he was nominated to the Country Music Hall of Fame in 2010 and inducted after he passed in 81. And at the age of 81, he would have been. So here is the quote, beautiful quote. I can't change the direction of the wind, but I can adjust my sails to always reach my destination. Ben Zimmerman, thanks for the gorgeous quote. How are you, Ben? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back, Bonnie. We're always delighted to have you. It's been a while. I don't remember last time you were on, but it's been a while. But I I saw this Jimmy Dean, and, you know, I was thinking also, Ben, of the actor James Dean. I don't think he was ever known as Jimmy, but the guy with the motorcycle and Splendor in the Grass and Natalie Wood yeah. and, and motorcycle with, and I wonder which, and the black leather jacket, of course. I wonder which James Dean, and, of course, I looked it up, Jimmy Dean. So, this is a great quote from a guy who sold sausages. He must have been on to something. So tell me how you picked the quote and how does it relate to intelligent technologies, Ben? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things for me, I have a barometer with my quotes um, and I want it to be easily explained to my seven-year-old. <laughs> and so when I walk <laughs> through that and you look at the rapid pace of change we're facing, you know, we're in the boat, we're all trying to cross the, the ocean you have to have agility and be able to adjust. And so that quote resonates with me just because I look at the connected devices and all the technology coming out. And Bonnie, it's, it's a little bit shocking when you hear a statistic, you know, in 35 days, a new technology can be released and hit critical user mass, which is, you know, it's gauged at 50 million users. And so wow. you can no longer plan. You have to have an agile approach where you're ready to lean into risk, lean into product, lean into innovation. And so that's why that quote resonates, uh, and it's easily understood as well. It, it is, and that's why it's such a lovely quote, and, and it's very much of a picture quote. And if you noticed, I was commenting on the George Westerman quote I opened the show with, Ben, about the caterpillar and the butterfly, and now we're looking at sailing. Lean in, very interesting comment there. And by the way, I have to mention a shout-out to Pamela Dunn, my colleague at SAP, who's the sponsor of this series, and we're calling this episode... Turning digital uncertainty into competitive advantage because I did mention risk. So just let's get you to expand just a little bit more, Ben, about the concept of risk in terms of how do you adjust the sales when there's risk in that digital transformation. What's your thought? Yeah, absolutely. You know, everybody's traditionally aware of downside risk. Um, and so the, the concept as we move forward is really how do you capture upside? How is trust in your design, how you protect the enterprise, how is that part of that? But, you know, one interesting observation that I have, and I wanted to just share with the panels, and uh, there's an immune system in most corporations, most companies, that when you bring innovation up and ideas back in to, to build this digital transformation, a lot of things can really chip away at your ability to innovate. Uh, it's, this is a risk, oh, we can't do this, this is data, we're expecting more regulations around privacy. All those things I, I look at as an immune system that fights mm. innovation and your ability to lean in to digital technologies and really build a digital backbone that has trust to customers, to your business partners, and mm -hmm. so on. 
Thank you very much, Ben. Very interesting start to our topic. Appreciate that. We'll be speaking a lot more with you. And now let's go to your colleague, Michael Ruiz, also at EY. And Michael has sent us a wonderful quote also from Neil deGrasse Tyson, quite the star, Mr. I, probably a doctor. I don't know what his credentials are here. He is the author of a book called Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. How cool is that? Neil deGrasse Tyson is a very young guy, according to me, born in 1958. Don't make a comment, please. American astrophysicist, author, and science communicator. I didn't even know, Michael, that we had a, a job title called Science Communicator, but that's what he does. He's been the Frederick P. Rose Director of the Hayden Planetarium in New York City at the Rose Center for Earth and Space since 1996. I was at the planetarium a few years ago before I moved here to Durham. Uh, the center is part of the American Museum of Natural History, where he founded the Department of Astrophysics in 1997 and has been a research associate there. Uh, he has a lot of books published. He was awarded the NASA Distinguished Public Service Medal back in 2004 and hosted the TV show Nova Science Now. We'll leave it there. Here's the quote from Neil deGrasse Tyson. The universe is under no obligation to make sense to you, Michael Ruiz. I love the, you know something? I want to write that on the wall. I want to crochet it on a pillow if I can find my crochet hook. How are you, Michael Ruiz? And welcome to Game Changers. How are you today? I am fantastic, Bonnie. Thanks for having me. I'm delighted. I love the quote because it's it's words to live by, isn't it? And now you're going to yeah. And you're going to tell us how it's words to live by applies to organizations trying to do their digital transformation. So go ahead and make that leap of faith for me, please. Absolutely. And so I was looking at, you know, various quotes and it just jumped out at me because of the simplicity and I could just I could take out the universe and I could replace it with intelligent technologies and reread it, right? The, the intelligent technologies um, are under no obligation to make sense to you. And, and I truly believe that. And I think uh, a lot of us who grew up in an analog world, we've solved problems using the analog tools uh, that, that we've had. Um, and sometimes when these newfangled things come up, we're like, oh, that, that might be a fad. Um, it's irrelevant, right? It doesn't, you know, I've, I've been in this business long enough. I understand the problems and that's not going to change much. Uh, and sometimes we get caught in that. And so uh, I like it because um, I, I think in this time of transformation, especially with what you just mentioned, Ben, with what was it, every 36 days, a new technology, look, you're never going to understand all these things. And so I, I like it because it, you know, you can anchor on, look, you're not going to understand it, but you can still understand the value. You can understand the impact. Um, uh, that those will have, whether it's to your customers, to how you integrate with your business partners, uh, etc. So that's why I liked it. I, I was amazed the way you just changed the quote around saying instead of the universe, it's intelligent technologies are under no obligation to make sense to you. That may be one of the most interesting quote interpretations we've had in a long, long time, Michael, because we're supposed to all know what this all is. You and Ben and Justin are here to help explain it. But in fact, the, the intelligence of the technologies that goes beyond human brain capabilities in many cases, especially with machine learning and AI, it may be beyond our reach, at least for a period of time. So are we boggled? Are we supposed to be boggled for a while? And, and whose job is it to grasp it and say, I got it. I got, I understand the intelligent technologies are going to do X, Y, Z, and, and we can harness them and we know what they want. Is that moment going to come or is it very elusive, Michael? 
I think it's very elusive, and I mm-hmm. think if, they, if you have anybody, um, you know, telling you they understand all of it, um, <laughs> you know, you might want to double-check that. Uh, so, I mean, I think what you're going to hear from me today is more of my interpretation of, of this. Um, I am by no means have all the answers, uh, but I, I would say that there's there's a framework, um, and there's just, uh, just the overall charisma I have to, you know, helping um, and you know, being with different companies that are solving these complex problems, and we are all trying to figure out uh, the implications of these technologies. So um, we're not alone. Thank you very much. Oh, we're not alone. I like that. I like that a lot. Thank you. (laughs) So many levels, what you just said. I think we just changed the tone of the show. Pamela, don't worry. We're staying on digital and and intelligent technologies. When you think of Tyson, Neil deGrasse Tyson and the planetarium, we are not alone is a very apt thing to say. Thank you very much, Michael. Pleasure to have you on the show and to meet you. And Justin Somani is waiting patiently. And Justin has pulled up a quote from Oscar Wilde. Justin, we get quotes from Oscar Wilde while from time to time on various Game Changer series, but this is the first time I've seen this one. Anybody wondering who is Oscar Wilde? First of all, last name is W-I-L-D-E if you ever want to look him up. Oscar Fingal O'Flaherty Wills Wilde. They had a lot of names back in the day. 1854 to 1900. Was an Irish playwright and poet. He wrote in many different forms in the 1880s and became one of London's most popular playwrights in the 1890s. He wrote epigrams and plays and he's most well known for two things. His novel, The Picture of Dorian Gray. And he also wrote Salome, S-A-L-O-M-E in 1891. And uh, he wrote a play, The Important importance of being earnest. Uh, He had a very colorful personal history. We'll leave it at that. And uh, we're just going to read the quote. Justin, this is cool. The suspense is terrible. I hope it will last. Justin, so many, I want to laugh when I hear that. How have you been, Justin? I've been doing pretty well. Thanks for having me on again. Um, We're delighted. We're glad to catch up with you. I know how busy you are. So tell me, how did you come across this quote? And let's talk about it. The suspense is the suspense that intelligent technologies are under no obligation to explain themselves to us. Or what is the exact expense you want the suspense you want to talk about and the expense? Yeah, thanks. It really resonated with me. Uh, One in security. Basically, if you're comfortable, you're dead. And so effectively, we're, we're, we're a paranoid bunch. And so that mm. suspense uh, is effectively what we thrive off of. And I see the analogy or the correlation to the intelligence that we are all striving to implement in our businesses and personal lives, where that suspense of the unknown of what it can deliver, that suspense, if you will, of what is it, um, but more importantly, how can we really get better and evolve through this really changing era that we're in through intelligence, I think is quite exciting. And the inverse can also be true where uh, it can be unnerving. It's a little bit, a lot of questions, uh, philosophical all the way down to practical in regards to what intelligence really is. Uh, will we have robot overlords uh, in the coming years? Uh, but quite honestly, if we're not changing and we're not evolving, we're going to be dead. Well, that certainly lays it all out there, doesn't it? I want to ask you something. The idea, I hope it will last, the suspense. Justin, if, if, this is, if these are words to live by that, that are part of your mantra, and, and you're certainly in a, a very exciting field of cybersecurity, we'll be talking in a few minutes with you more about what you do and catching up with you. 
do we want that suspense to last, the suspense of where our company's going? How fast will that next 35-day cycle of new new solutions being adopted? How many companies will drop off the S&P 500 in the next three years? How many startups will dip their toe in the water? You know, the mice dancing with the elephants. We've heard that on some of our other series. Is the suspense part of what's so exciting about technology for all of us today? What's your thought? I think it is. Uh, I think mm-hmm. uh, underneath it, it's that innovation or that change and acceleration of innovation creates that suspension or suspense rather. Uh, <laughs> and that is very exciting. The, the real thing that we need to think about is if we didn't want or like the suspense, that would mean that that in- innovation or that change uh, would stop as the underlying motivator for it. And I don't think that's realistic. I don't think that's uh, common. You know, uh, the more things stay the same, the mm-hmm. more things change. Um, plus so, ça yeah, change, plus ça la même chose. That's my favorite French quote. Plus ça, ça, plus ça, la, plus ça change, plus ça la même chose. There, I got my sauce mixed up. Thank you very much. Uh, do you think that intelligent technologies are going to get away from us? Do you think they're going to? You, you mentioned about bots, and, and Justin, I'm toying with the idea of doing a show, the last show for Coffee Break this year, our flagship show, Coffee Break with Game Changers, about are we ready for an AI CEO? That suspense may be jangling nerves. What's your thought on that quickly, Justin? Then we're, I'll find out what Ben and Michael think about that. You think that's coming? I think we're going to have outliers, and I think that's going to happen, Uh, but they will be pulled back. Um, I I think as we work through this, some of those things will happen. Um, I don't know about a uh, robot CEO, but we're going to see innovations that might push our comfort zone. I like that a lot. Ben Zimmerman, just quickly on that topic, what do you think? The suspense, good thing, bad thing, and is that what excites those of us who love technology? I, I think it's a good thing, right? It keeps us on our toes in, in the professions we're in. I think there is kind of a state of duality um, for, for our clients and our big corporations, somewhere where innovation and the suspense is driving certain pieces uh, that fit into the intelligent technologies bucket. I just I want to I see it start to string together and actually build an intelligent enterprise. That's what we are working through every day with our customers. It's, you know, a simple way to say it would be automating the automation with context. Interesting perspective. Thank you. Michael Ruiz, suspense. Is it exciting you or killing you in terms of technology and the intelligence of that technology? What do you think? Well, you know, for me, it's job security. Right, in what I do, but also, you know, we talked about the term suspension, and, you know, we can't let, um, you know, some of these ideas scare us into inaction. And, you know, really thinking about what you said before about, you know, if you're comfortable, you're dead. I, I, I absolutely uh, uh, I agree with that. And I think so many times we see companies, um, you know, err on the side of inaction when they don't understand something. And so, you know, my, my theme here is be bold. And, you know, there, there are going to be risks. Don't let it, um, you know, 
don't let it scare you to the extent where you're not thinking about it, understanding its value, et cetera. So that's, that's kind of where I stand on that. And just one more thing about mm-hmm. the digital CEO. I think it's, uh, it, it almost sounds like, you know, a name of a book, like when chatbots grow up or something like that to me. So <laughs> uh, I, I find that a very interesting question that you posed. Thank you. It was in the roundtable notes from one of my guests on a show a couple weeks ago, and I seized on it, and it was almost at the very end toward the crystal ball predictions part of the show, Michael, and it just popped into my head, we need a whole show about this. I'm probably going to have a couple of futurists come on and talk about that. It, it, it should be a fascinating conversation, just pondering it, just thinking about who is going to be in that office, in that corner office in, in X number of years. So thank you all for going around the table on that one. Let's do our usual getting to know our panelists, Ben Zimmerman EY. Your first three questions quickly from all three of you, three in a row for Ben and then Michael and then Justin. Where in the world are you today? Number two, what's your favorite drink in the whole wide world? And that goes to the old question, Ben, on Coffee Break with Game Changers. What's in your cup today? Doesn't matter if it's in your cup. It's uh, 12.23 here p.m. on the east coast of the U.S. It's cocktail hour somewhere, so you can mention anything. And number three, give us a quick update on what you're doing at EY. Ben Zimmerman, you're up. Absolutely. So I am in New York City today, Times Square, and uh, Hmm. it is getting a little chilly. So I, en- I enjoy the fall. So, you know, Bonnie, my favorite drink in the world, it, it changes with the region that I'm spending time. Ooh. And recently I've been spending time in Europe, and uh, I was fortunate enough to be in Munich, and I actually got to partake in Oktoberfest. Ooh. Uh, but, however, I picked something uh, called Mezo Mix, which is a cola from over there that's served in a glass bottle. And so I brought several back last week when I returned home, and I have actually am kind of rationing it, get it to last a couple of weeks here, but that's what I'm drinking mm-hmm. right now, and I, I definitely like it. I have a picture of it. It's Mezzomix, M-E-Z-Z-O-M-I-X, two words, yes. sold and produced only officially in Germany, Switzerland, and Austria. Its slogan translated into English is Cola Kisses Orange. Is that the one? That's it. Okay. Quick, quick on the button here. Okay, so talk to me. Thank you. This is a first for Mesomix. Never had it on Game Changers. It's a challenge. Seven years, thousands of guests. This is a new drink. Thank you, Ben. I knew I could count on you. Ben Zimmerman, we appreciate that. No no challenge for Michael and Justin. Whatever you're drinking is fine. Whatever you love is fine. No, no competition here. Ben, what have you been up to recently at EY? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in my long title that you questioned the business card with my last name, that would take both sides. So one of the things we're doing um, is focusing on just agility in the process uh, of how we manage, respond, and take intelligent actions on the risk challenges that that folks have in front of us. We're in an interesting time, Bonnie, where Mm -hmm. I think there's, there's definitely a lag in regulations. So we're seeing that pick up, but it's really focusing on stringing together and helping build trust and governance into intelligent technologies to efficiently get to the intelligent enterprise. 
Trust and governance, that's not an easy task. I just had a show a little over an hour ago, Ben, on our future of cars with Game Changers, and I posed to my two panelists the, the idea of who owns the data. All this software, all of this experience, all of this wonderful stuff that's supposed to be happening in our cars, even before we get to autonomous vehicles. And one of my panelists who, who was uh, at the AASA, at, we're talking about aftermarket 4.0, and he said, that's the question. That's what's on the table. That's what's on the dashboard. Who owns the software? Who owns the data? What's happening? And that brings trust and governance into it. So it's a very per- pervasive question in our digital age. Thank you, Ben. Nice to have you back on the panel. And now let's go to our new conversation. Michael Ruiz, same three questions. Where in the world are you today? What do you love to drink, Michael? And what do you do at EY? So I'm a Southern California native uh, calling here from the beautiful downtown Houston, Texas. Mm. And uh, right now what I'm drinking is um, it's some lychee tea that I got outside of the Terracotta Soldier exhibit when I was uh, over in China recently. And uh, it was the most fragrant lychee tea I've ever had. Uh, for those of you that are familiar with the fruit, it's um, it's a tiny little just explosion of juice when you bite into it. So it's it's you know my favorite fruit as well as my daughter's. Um, and then as far as what I'm doing at EY, so I, um, I I lead the digital part for our practice that we call risk transformation. So I see it really in two jobs. The first one is with my with my clients uh, and just with companies in general, um, helping them embed in, uh, these intelligent technologies in their risk uh, and compliance programs. Uh, there's been, over the past several years, there's been an emphasis more on how do I manage the risk for my organization? And something is switching where they're now thinking, wait, I could be using those technologies. And so uh, that's been what's been really exciting me in the morning. Now it's like I wake up and I'm not saying, okay, well, I got to talk about, you know, the downside risk, like Ben mentioned mm-hmm. again. Um, now it's more about upside. How do we capture that? Uh, and then, of course, we, we go and help people identify and manage the risk too. But um, with this new dimension and, you know, I'm, I'm noticing companies getting a little bit more bold and even having, you know, their, their risk functions take on that risk. So that's, um, I would say that's one of my jobs. The second one is as it relates to the uh, solutions and the way that we interact with serving our clients, um, my job is kind of to help them embed these intelligent technologies in everything that we do and everything that we deliver um, so that we're, you know, we're serving our clients who are going through these digital transformations in a digitally transformative way. Thank you. You got that word digital in there a lot. I have a question for you, Michael. Is it possible we could take the concept of digital transformation upside risk and turn it into the word opportunity or excitement? Is that something Absolutely. we could? Absolutely. I love that. Thank you. I just thought about that. And by the way, lychee tea is also a newcomer drink on Game Changers. So you rang that bell as well. Lychee tea is black, lychee black tea, L-Y-C-H-E-E, made from black tea that has been scented with lychee peels. Lychee or lychee, L-I-C-H-E, is a sweet tropical fruit popular in Asia. When brewed, the tea has a reddish brown hue and a light, sweet, honey-like taste. That's the one, right, Michael? That's it. That's it. Thank you very much. I like the word excitement and opportunity. Let's see if we can go with that. And now we're going around the table to Justin So many, Justin, where in the world are you today? What's your favorite drink that powers you? Give me your full correct title. I don't think I had it in the opening. And what have you been up to, Justin? 
Uh, well, first of all, uh, sorry, Bonnie. Uh, being a little competitive here, I need to level up my game based upon the other two responses. Uh, so today, I am literally right now standing at the inside the wonderful Willard Hotel in Washington, D.C. Uh, fantastic day, and I'm really happy to be here. Uh, my title, Justin Samani, Chief Security mm-hmm. Officer for mm-hmm. SAP. And I drank some coffee this morning, but my favorite, because it's getting into winter, uh, is Gluvine, which I grew up on Mesomix, but Gluvine is what it is for me during uh, as we get into the fall and winter months. What is Gluvine? You have to spell it for me. Is that G-L-U-V-I-N-E or am I off on that? I have it. G-L-U-E-H-W-E-I-N. I got it. German mold wine. You got to yep. love it. I got it. Glühwein is a very popular mold drink in German and Dutch-speaking countries and in the Borden region of Alsace in France. And there's actually a recipe here on allrecipes.com. Um, it's known as an after-ski drink. I pray ski, excuse me, Justin. After you come in from out of the snow, it's supposed to make you glow with warmth again. Since you drink this warm, the alcohol goes to your head very quickly. Drink it when you come in, and you it. don't have to go out again. Is that the right? That's a review. Is that the right one? It surely does make me glow. I got to tell you that. <laughs> we have had three completely new drinks on the show. This is amazing. One maybe Ben. That would have been cool. Michael too. Justin, you are you're at your competitive best with this one. That was a lovely one. So, what have you been up to? What's new in the world of security, Justin? Oh, boy, it's a, it's a never-changing cycle, yeah. isn't it? Uh, there's mm-hmm. been a lot of things publicly but you know, that have been in the news uh, that I think everybody's you know well aware of. But for us uh, at SAP, we've been keeping on our path of keeping the bad guys out and keeping the good guys in. Um, actually, one of the things that we've been focused on that's very relevant to this conversation is how do we drive intelligence into the security conversation? Not only mm-hmm. how do we drive it up level into the context of business transactions, such as intelligence fraud or anti-fraud management or fraud identification, as well as how do we have a really intelligent security operations center uh, uh, due to the size and scale of, of us, any large uh, organization, how do we put technology to work? Uh, versus humans. And so that's that's been a very big initiative for us over the past year and continuing on into next. Thank you. And did you like my question to Michael Ruiz a minute ago, Justin, about changing the concept or the term upside risk into excitement and opportunity? Could we come up with a hybrid word for that? Or what do you think? I, I think you're dead on, Bonnie. I think we should. Okay. Then we created something new here. And by the way, Justin knows this. It, maybe he remembers it. Ben remembers it. Michael doesn't know me. I, I recently located, relocated from Long Island, New York after 35 years there to Durham, North Carolina. I've been here just about a year and three weeks. Pretty happy here in the South. It's a whole new experience for me, especially the weather. No comment. But uh, Michael, they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days. And I think you figured out why. So we'll just leave that alone. All I'm allowed to drink is water. It's not boring. It's cool and clear and a special mug. And my big news is that I'm studying the drums now. I'm taking up drums, and I'm actually accompanying a band. And my first song wow. is Roll, 
I know. And my first song, and I drummed, I did a whole rehearsal with the band. It's that we're students, uh, adult students in, in a music school. And my first song is Roller by April Wine. So maybe we could say that I'm playing April Wine, even if I'm not drinking it. So that's, that's the big news from here. So... Oh. <laughs> Life just is full of surprises. There's a little bit of upside risk in there, but I see it as opportunity and excitement. So I'm happy with that definition. So, gentlemen, you know what? We've been talking so much and having so much interest in this topic, generating it from the start when we talked about your quotes. I'm not going to take a break. I'm making that executive decision because I don't want to stop the energy here. So Ben Zimmerman, I'm looking at the notes you sent me before the show, and I would like to talk about, you sent me great stuff, by the way, creating a digital backbone to create competitive advantage. I'd like to start there. Let me just read a little bit from this paragraph you sent, and then we'll have you talk for about two minutes, then we'll bring in Michael Ruiz, then Justin Somany, and see where the panel goes with this. So you say, Ben Zimmerman, we're seeing the companies are interested in concepts like RPA, robotic process automation, machine learning, and IoT, Internet of Things. However, the application of intelligent technologies, excuse me for bobbling there, the application of intelligent technologies is a daunting task for companies, and therefore intelligent technologies generally are underutilized. Let's take this and run with it and talk about how to build a really strong, supportive digital backbone. Ben Zimmerman. Yes, Bonnie, I love hearing you reference the digital backbone. Uh, you know, when you think about just what has changed, so it's probably 2013 that I was sitting at one of our automotive clients having a discussion about RPA, uh, you know, and I wanted to raise my hand and, and say, are we talking about a robot walking in and hands on keyboard? And uh, I held the question long enough for someone else to ask it and get the laugh, so I, I didn't have to take the embarrassment. But <laughs> if we look across what's happened, so if you look 2014, to current, you know, there's a lot of digital initiatives that are taking place. Uh, but they, they're challenged with the same challenges that ERP implementations from the 90s um, and 2000s had, where it's hard to see an end-to-end solution where you're going to get that competitive advantage. So having in place, you know, the technology is there, right, when you look at the cloud power um, of HANA and you look at other things, the Internet of Things is where I see the excitement. We're going to see that, I don't know, I think it's currently less than 5% of the connected devices are, are connected currently, um, and it's still a very, very large number. So if I, if I lay this out, Bonnie, and I wanted to know that the chicken I'm having for dinner, um, I know where it was raised. I know the temperature it was in the mm-hmm. truck as it transported. I know that it was treated humanely, how it was stored. That whole process, that's the intelligent enterprise. And I think enabling a digital backbone, leveraging what's currently out there, and having concepts and expanding on it is where you're going to get to from transactional all mm-hmm. the way through how do you make corporate strategy decisions based off that information. And so where I see the opportunity uh, and the digital backbone is starting to link transactional level data to outside data sources to capture the value um, and lean into upside risk, all based off, you know, I go back to the word trust, right? You need cu- your customers need to trust that you can hold their data. Your business partners need that trust. 
And the, the difference is when that is all connected, you're going to start to see humans become an unnecessary step in the process. I mean, that's just the reality. No, no. I'm still spinning a little bit from a AI CEO. <laughs> I had not heard that concept yet. And, uh, I, I'm still, uh, my, my thoughts are, are running wild based off that conversation. I'm glad they are. See, I try to say provocative, interesting things on and off the topic. I appreciate that. Let's go around the table just a little bit to your colleague, Michael Ruiz, also at EY. Michael, thoughts about that digital backbone? How do you envision it? Agree or disagree with what Ben put out for us? You know, I think um, just from a different perspective, um, you know, I look at it that uh, when you attack or when you when you look at the digital transformation and um, I think a lot of times the companies think of think about it so narrowly, right? And so I like mm. the concept of the backbone because that in and of itself uh, talks about you know that that permeates to the rest of your body, right? That's the support structure. And so I I see sometimes when a company says digital transformation and then they focus on oh well we're going to apply it to X Y Z but not to ninety percent of the rest of my company, and what that creates is you know basically the rest of your company is now a bottleneck and you know so what mm-hmm. if you know one part of it is digitally enabled so I feel that it all starts with you know a vision being bold to set that vision to enable your people to innovate and to have a culture of you know taking these. Uh, intelligent technologies and understanding, um, you know, maybe use cases, how use cases in one department uh, or one region, how we can use those across different departments and different regions and have it more like a movement within your company versus just, oh, we, we have now three scripts that run on a bot in this one business unit. No, it's, hey, we took that and we applied the same thought process uh, over here, maybe to payables or maybe to uh, how we take oil out of the ground. And, oh, by the way, it's also involved in our HR process. And we have a single governance structure that helps manage the risk and manage the vision on how all of that is making our company better. Uh, so that, that's kind of my take, the, you know, applying it broadly and holistically as as part of the company's culture. Thank you very much. And is there change management involved in that, Michael? Has to be, right? There is a ton of change yep. management, and uh, you know, from your basic communications, letting people know, um, to uh, you know, I, w- I would say one of the most impactful things that companies can do, or that their leaders can do, is set very getting back to that vision, but set very bold statements like. We will no longer manage, uh, you know, a data center or, you know, everything you do, you know, every department must have some type of robotic process automation. Some of these bold statements, um, I, I think, help motivate a company very quickly. And again, it's through the organizational change or, you know, the, uh, you know, those kind of communications. Um, and so your basic communications and your basic organizational change concepts, they, they still apply, and even more so, because, again, with the, with the rapid nature of how these technologies are changing and how rapidly people and different departments in a company can stand something up, I mean, you, those are all wins. And even the things where they're not successful, um, I think, you know, now there's a culture shift for let's Let's highlight those too, right? They might have they might have found a roadblock that everybody else can learn from. So overall, I think it's just a matter of how do you unify your company to a single vision. Thank you very much. Justin Somany, 
thoughts about this digital backbone. Do you have a different definition? Are you in agreement with what we've heard so far from your colleagues on the panel? No, I absolutely agree um, and definitely can see the value in that and agree in that holistic approach. <clears throat> but when we look at it, I mean, we've, we've been looking at backbones you know, in some part and parcel for 20, 30 years. I mean, we used to be centralized mainframes and then went client server and then try to struggle back with it with a messaging bus. But for all intents and purposes, companies constantly want to unlock value or upside risk, uh, by consolidating their data and transactions for uh, efficiency, consistency, and then drive intelligence or through analytics. I think now we're actually looking at it in a much more advanced state, but still struggle at the same challenges of how do we get our data and transactions in a form and fashion that we're then able to apply really advanced analytics to it. And that's where it goes into this backbone. That makes a lot of sense to me, uh, mm-hmm. and I personally believe can unlock a lot of value. That's what we're looking for is unlocking that value. And, and we think about it, we had so many interesting visual metaphors at the beginning of the show. When I think of backbone, I think of that skeleton. And you know Halloween's coming up in just a couple of weeks, and I'm, I'm going to look at these costumes with, with the skeletons on the kids, if there are any in my neighborhood. Probably not. I'm going to think about that digital backbone. It has just taken a new meaning. Michael Ruiz, let's look at your notes here and see what we're going to talk about. So many interesting things. Um <laughs> Let's talk about, uh, I still want to talk about risk, okay? Dealing with the new dimension of digital risk is more important than ever given emerging threats, and this is something I know Justin would love to talk about, intensifying existing threats such as cybercrime, data loss, tech outages, third-party risks. The policies, frameworks, and technologies that have guarded the industry so far may not be sufficient to address these new and intensifying digital risks. Michael, you want to take us down this path, please? And then we'll go around the table after you. We'll invite Justin in and then Ben. Go ahead. Hey, sounds good. And, you know, I... For those of you who didn't catch it, I, I am a risk professional, but I am very much focused, like you mentioned, Bonnie, on, mm-hmm. uh, let's see, what did we rename it to? Opportunity and excitement. And excitement, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank and, and you. That, I think comes an excitement of, you know, uh, understanding um, the, the different in, intelligent technologies and the different tools, essentially, to solve some of the problems that we've historically had. Um, you know, when it, when it comes down, it's less about the, uh, the technology risk. Um, I, I just consider all of it business risk. And when I, when I look at somewhat of that, that digital risk and um, how, how companies are reacting to it, my, my message to them when they're thinking about new ways to solve their business problems, particularly um, in very, I'll call it analog-type functions, the risk, the compliance, the internal audit, my message to them is look, um, you know, if you try to design things uh, or have the same frame of mind for uh, solutions for tomorrow using technologies of yesterday, you're, you're, already, you're already lost, right? You're already mm-hmm. um, behind everything. And so, you know, I, I constantly challenge those types of more traditional analog departments uh, to think a little bit, um, you know, more leading edge, look at the different technologies that, you know, the business is using, how do you apply those, uh, and how do you do it in a very, um, 
uh, opportunistic way. Uh, and so that, you know, when I, again, when I look at digital risk, for me, it's, it's all about that opportunity and, and trying to take those folks who are not comfortable talking mm-hmm. about digital and just having a relatable conversation. I'm a very practical person. So it's like, look, you still have the same business risks. You just have different tools that you can use to, to manage those and to help you know, bring your company to the next, uh, the next level, if you will. Thank you very much, Justin Somany. This is your wheelhouse. Talk to us. What do you think? Agree or disagree with Michael at EY? Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I, I think there's risk um, that, is, that can be identified uh, through better intelligence. Uh, let's take a look at fraud, for example. It exists mm-hmm. everywhere. Roughly around 1%, and I might have my numbers a little bit wrong, but it's a pretty low transaction rate that's relative to fraud. But our ability to identify it is is pretty archaic. It's still using technologies that you know have been around for quite some time. So I think there's an opportunity for companies to better manage uh, fraud within their organization, supply chain, or otherwise, um, through better intelligence. But there's also a bunch of risk of not acting. Um, being competitive requires us to really, you know, unlock that value. Uh, to be more agile, and moving forward in the future is really applying intelligence to almost everything that we do. Uh, take recruiting for an example. How can we find the best individuals and uh, get them into the seats that we have open in the company uh, versus having people just review uh, CVs over and over again? Are we able to apply technology to that to, to give us an ability to scour the masses to identify the key individuals with the right skills and attributes, personality-wise and culture-wise, that would really push any company forward. So I think there's a lot of things that uh, when we look at risk, it's not just on the negative side, i.e. how do we reduce fraud and, you know, and, and more in a personal state, keep backers out, but also on the other side of how do we accelerate agility? Uh, how do we drive automation and, and drive better uh, efficacy in our business processes so that we can be more competitive and ultimately service our customers a lot better. Thank you very much, Justin. Ben Zimmerman, circling around the table to you. Please share your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. I heard I heard two things that kind of resonate um, from Justin and from Michael. I think there's, you know, from Justin, I completely agree. Having context to the data um, that we're getting in large amounts from various sources, how it's triage, how it's acted upon and you know is that an ai predictive uh solution i i definitely agree with that concept uh you know michael and i actually had this conversation i believe a couple weeks back bonnie what i'm seeing with with customers when we're sitting and we're talking about innovation around intelligent enterprise so the combination of different intelligent technologies to get there you know, they're still in the mindset of wanting to see and talk to references and run through so many things that are more traditional and how they do their due diligence uh, before moving forward. And from an innovation standpoint right now, it, it's concept, right? And we're starting to see customers move in and, and let's say work with EY in this example, leveraging SAP technology and do co-innovation together. It's no longer a point solution that's just dropped in your lap because things are changing so quickly, 
you're already outdated if you're a year behind and looking for early adopters and feedback. So that that's just something that I find very interesting. So it's a it's a change in all business that concepts to drive and see value are going to become more the norm than the traditional comfort or not being on the bleeding edge. Thank you very much, Ben. We're just about at the crystal ball predictions round, but Justin Somani, you had a couple of interesting numbers here in your notes. I'm see if we can just crunch this into 90 seconds here, and, and Ben, you can get ready with your prediction. Uh, Justin, you wanted to talk about the needing the hacker's mentality to combat the $6 trillion price tag of cyber hacking. Is it growing by the minute, by the day, Justin? How bad is it? It's pretty bad. Um, when we look at organized crime, uh, a while ago they figured out how to make money, and they're really exploiting you know key weaknesses in our business processes and technology that support it uh, quite heavily, and it's not going to stop. Um, bank robbers still rob banks. We're still going to see this continue, uh, you know, as a, as a new means of, of generating revenue uh, illicitly. Um, and when we look at how they do it, whether through extortion, uh, straight-up fraud activities or otherwise, uh, and our economies are more interconnected and grow, there's just a lot more opportunities for them to, to kind of weed out uh, money out of all of our businesses' hands. So it's, it's a big challenge. Um, we've seen this uh, most recently over the past couple of years with business compromise. That's the emails that come around to CFOs and to CEOs. Uh, and to their staff saying, hey, I've got an emergency uh, situation. Please wire out a couple hundred thousand dollars mm-hmm. uh, today. You've got my yep. approval. And, of course, that email is uh, yep. strictly fraud. That is billions of dollars a year, it's been estimated, and that's continuing. And so we see different mechanisms to, again, exploit individuals' processes and technology. Thank you, Justin. If we take the term upside risk, which we've been discussing during the show, and take my two words, opportunity and excitement, I think that's what's driving them is, wow, we have new ways to hack into companies. Look at all the money in them, Nar Hills. We're going to go do it. Oh, there's some risk. Of course, we might get caught, but not likely because they don't know how we think. Sorry for the, the bad interpretation there, but you get my point. So there's opportunity and excitement on the side of the bad kids as well, and we need to acknowledge that. Thank you, Justin. Ben Zimmerman, I've got 60 seconds for you to give us your crystal ball prediction. What is going to change? We've been talking about our topic, really diving into this, turning digital uncertainty into competitive advantage. What's coming up or down the pike, depending on the way, which way you're driving, Ben? Um, let's say between now and 2025, what do you see changing that's exciting or dramatic? Ben Zimmerman, go. Yeah, absolutely. So my crystal ball prediction, I didn't go past 2020 because I think that uh, – ah. We are going to see increased regulations as in the U.S. as it starts to adopt and, and lean a little heavier into what we're seeing in the EMEA region. Uh, so my prediction is companies that lean in and capture the upside of risk, focus on digital trust, are going to have a competitive advantage and be able to adapt with agility. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point. I like that. And Michael Ruiz, I've got 60 seconds with your name on them. What do you see? And how far out would you like to go with your crystal ball prediction? 
You know, let's go to maybe, I don't know, 2022. And I'm going to have fun with this one, Bonnie. You you mentioned the concept of the digital CEO. I don't think we're going to be that far. um, But I'm almost envisioning somewhat like a, maybe like a digital risk officer. I mean, imagine uh, devices like, you know, your Alexas or some other kind of, um, you know, artificial intelligence that is reading, let's say, just imagine uh, geopolitical situations happening with some of your operations overseas and immediately once that happens it, it already has sent um, you know automated email communications to your vendors or suppliers talking about the situation uh, it's already sent a note and activated the cyber threat response team um, it's already gone ahead and updated your risk uh, analytics dashboards to show hey you know what uh, we thought it was this type of likelihood it's actually this and um, you know you got to start thinking of XYZ and already starting to populate, okay, we need a risk plan here or there. So anyway, for me, I think that we, you know, I don't see the doomsday of us being entirely replaced. I think we're going to have some really incredible types of tools uh, to use and be able to make much faster, more connected um, responses to the, the risks that we see. Thank you very much, Michael. Justin, so many, I saved exactly 60 seconds for you. What do you predict and how far in the future would you like to go? Well, I think we're going to lose money tomorrow or we're going to keep losing it 10 years from now. But I do think mm. that we're on the cusp of not only driving intelligence into this core security function, but I think we're do, going to be able to do something really interesting probably by 2020 where these algorithms or intelligence is going to be applied to more complex situations like risk that was uh, just identified underneath a, a chief risk officer but potentially in other areas that are more back office cost issues, such as legal back office, HR back office, and other functions, while you know keeping the humans on the sales side and, and product side and, and all of our companies or services for that matter. Um, but back office, I think, is one of those ripe areas that we're going to see intelligence really being driven to fairly quickly. And I can see that happening uh, in 2019 really landing hard in 2020. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. What an excellent panel. I've had such an interesting time learning from the three of you. Ben Zimmerman at EY, thank you for coming back. Michael Ruiz, don't be a stranger. Love to have you back soon. And Justin Somany, you and I will have a talk with Mary about setting up a series about cybersecurity for 2019. I've been wanting to do this for years, and that's my prediction is Game Changers Radio will have a series on cybersecurity. How exciting and what a great opportunity to do that in 2019. Justin, I'm counting on it. Thank you very much to the three of you. Pam Dunn, good job setting up a great conversation, a great topic, and terrific panelist Pamela, thank you so much, and thank you and shout out to Aaron Keller, our engineer at World Talk Radio, and a shout out also to Rasheen Monahan at SAP. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Oh, you know it by now. Fasten your seatbelt. Is it digital? I don't know. That would be really cool. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Ben Zimmerman at EY, just like Michael Ruiz at EY, and just like Justin Somany at SAP. Have a great day. We'll be back tomorrow morning. It's Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern, with a live edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers Real Estate, live at 11. I'll be back here. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you.
Thanks again for tuning in to Changing the Game with Intelligent Technologies, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Tuesdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.